Hey, everybody. Welcome to Latter-day Struggles. This is your podcast for developing into truly an adult of God. I'm your host, Valerie, and this is um, your other host, Nathan. Hi, Nathan. Host B. Hello. Host B. (laughs) Nice to have you guys all here today. As promised, we are going to be talking about the new For the Strength of the Youth manual. Nathan and I kind of had a feeling that this would be a good topic to hit because the second it came down, it's like, at least in our worlds, the um, social media world kind of exploded with all sorts of thoughts and feelings and opinions and good things to say about it, not so good things to say about it. In general, there was just a lot of a lot of emotion because it's a big deal to us. It in some ways is kind of our value statement for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is going to be what is sort of pointed at as this is who we are and this is what we believe in a variety of very important areas around how we want our, I guess, we want our adolescents to behave or believe. What am I trying to say? How they want our adolescents to believe and behave. At least. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a big deal. It's a big statement that I think is going to be good for us to sort of walk through with you guys. And as per usual, because we um, embrace the idea of living in gray areas, as we go through this, I would hope that you guys would have some fun with us in recognizing what really works and what's good and what represents change and evolution in the right direction at the general level. And also what we need to look at and um, really sort of better understand for ourselves so that we can have a better understanding of how perhaps to mitigate maybe what our our youth are reading into or not understanding, or maybe even incorrectly understanding in reference to how they can relate to themselves, to the institution and and to God and Jesus Christ. So this manual, it's different from the other manuals in in a variety of ways. One of which is that um, before, at least in the last maybe three, manuals, the 90, the one in the nineties, and then the two that were at the turn of the century in 2011, it was very topics-based. And this one is more not topics-based. It was more principle-based. Yeah. So, so the, the previous ones would spell out topics like education, sexual purity, yeah. dating, and this mm-hmm. one is trying to be a little bit more principle-based, principle-based sort like, of, yeah. What is our, you know, mm-hmm. what are the faith foundations for how to make this choice? So each, um, in each section of this current manual, it starts with a section on the eternal truths or the doctrines that they want the kids to know about. Then it moves on to invitations on how to act. Then it moves on to promise blessings that the Lord offers by those who live the teachings. Then it goes into a question and answer section. And then it thought it ends with correlated temple recommend questions. And there's just so much we could even just say about the way they just the, the way they set it up, right? But yeah. maybe we should not. Well, it'll, what we're going to what we want to say now, we're going to let sort of come out as we talk about the larger, correct? Right? Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So anyhow, we are going to start today and get through a couple, three. I don't know how many, a few topics. And Nathan's going to go ahead and read the first presidency message, yes. and then we are going to sort of walk through um, several points that uh, we think are important to spend time together looking at. Okay, so it starts with this. as we love you and we have confidence in you. You are truly among Heavenly Father's choice spirits sent to the earth at this time to do important things. There may be times when you don't feel strong or capable. That's normal. Especially in those moments, turn to the Savior. He is the strength of youth. 
This guide will help you build a solid foundation for making choices to stay on the covenant path. It will help you prepare to make sacred covenants in the temple, prepare to serve a mission, and find joy in following Jesus Christ throughout your life. We hope you feel that you belong in the Savior's church and have power from him to fulfill his purposes for you. We know God lives. It is our prayer that you will stay firmly on the covenant path that leads back to your Father in heaven. As you do, you will be an influence for good, sharing the gospel joyfully, and preparing the world for the second coming of the Savior. Okay. So, I'll start. Okay. What are some things that jump out to you? All right. Well, why don't we just kind of jump to the top paragraph? Okay. So, we love you. No, no, no. Yeah, we love you and have confidence. Oh, okay. Dear brothers, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, we love you and have confidence in you. I think to begin a, a statement with with that is beautiful. Me too. I'm I'm a big fan of beginning with an outpouring of love. Love and confidence. Two You'll, thumbs up. We'll never go wrong there. Uh, second sentence is I have a lot to say. Actually, there's a lot embedded in this one little sentence. So that's why Nathan and I didn't want to make a commitment about how long to spend on this entire document because it's it's packed, it's loaded. I won't I won't go into this too deeply because I feel like I've already kind of litigated this <laughs> plenty. But I am sad, saddened that we didn't integrate heavenly parent language into this document. I think that would have been easy to do. Um, it's a position statement, as I mentioned before, and to integrate heavenly mother or heavenly parents kind of language, as we did with the young women's theme, would have been something that would not have been a hard thing to do, and yet they didn't do it. Yep. Uh, second point on the second sentence here, which is you are truly heavenly father's choice spirits sent to earth at this time to do important things. Okay. I'm going to take a little bit of an issue with the idea of choice spirits. And I know that's going to sound a little bit weird, but I'm going to explain to you why. The reason why I don't like that is because it introduces the concept of spiritual exceptionalism, mm. which means, said another way, you're better than everybody else. Yes. And you're more special. You're the chosen generation. You're the blood of Israel. We have a lot of various ways to put ourselves as members of this church onto a pedestal. And while there's a lot of hubris involved in that kind of rhetoric, it's, it's not neutral. It actually does harm. Sure. It does harm to our own developing selves. It does harm to how we actually interact with others in the world. It, it positions us as more beloved of God, as more special, as, be, as, as needing to save them and having nothing to learn from them, as them, um, meaning them being the world, being dangerous. Mm. There's just a lot of problems with the spiritual exceptionalism that we, that we, the languaging that we use quite frequently in the church that really is not psychologically healthy, not, it's not relationally healthy, and it's not even, even doctrinally correct. Yeah, and it, and it does set up sort of a us versus them mentality. Yeah. We're righteous, the world is wicked. And they even use it here to set up their own version of exceptionalism, which is that you have to do important things. You need to save <laughs> them out there because yeah. they don't understand. And I tell you what, Nathan, that's done, that's done harm to me up into my adult years where I really did um, buy into you as a member of this church are in fact better than other people. Yeah. It's not okay. And we really, really need to push back um, and articulate explicitly that that's not okay. And I just keep in mind, and I just think it's important for all of us to keep in mind, first of all, to state the obvious, we're all children of divine parents. Secondly, 
members of this church comprise way less than 1% of the population of the world. Yes. And the world is full of beautiful, beautiful people. Who are also children of the same divine parents, by the way. And no no less beloved and no (laughs) less chosen or special than, than we are. And so and then there are no less choice even to use the same words as this language. So, yeah. so we've got to move away from language like that because language turns into concepts that then get embedded in our, in our ego structures, in the way we actually see and relate with the larger world. Mm. It's a problem. Very good. Okay. The next paragraph I like it says there'll time, there'll be times when you don't feel strong and capable. I think it's good to acknowledge our humanity. That's I think beautiful. it's good to acknowledge that we're going to suffer from depression and anxiety and feelings of not living up. So good. And he says that that's normal. And he says, in those moments, turn to the savior. Thank you. We've been saying over and over and over, it should say the savior. And then the, and then a period at the end, not the prophet, not the church, not your bishop, anything else. And they did that. So it says, turn to the savior. He is the strength of the youth. I, I like that paragraph. No, I agree. I, yeah, I, I have nothing to add there. That's, that's very good. Okay. So this guide will help you build a solid foundation for making choices to stay on the covenant path. Great. Now here, I have an exception with this sentence. It will help you prepare to make sacred covenants in the temple and prepare to serve a mission. So we talked about this in our previous episode but making covenants going to the temple serving missions becoming husbands and fathers mothers and daughters you know that is not the end goal and when you make that the end goal then people who don't fit into that little box they don't have a desire to serve a mission or or whatever whatever it is Mm -hmm. you have just cut them out of a huge part of what they're supposed to be working for nathan let's talk for just a second about the finger the finger ah, and the metaphor. Please, this is a good analogy. No, I wanted you to. Oh, we want me to. <laughs> I'm happy to do I mean, it. I could, but I think you do a better I, job. I'm happy it. to do it. I don't know what the origin of this is, but many spiritual thinkers that I have read have all used this analogy that there is a finger and it points us to, they use the moon as what I've heard. Okay. So the finger points to the moon. Now the idea is this, if the moon is a representation of God, a representation of Jesus Christ, a representation of our heavenly parents. The finger are things that are supposed to move us to that. For example, the prophet. For example, the church. For example, the temple. These are things that here are here on the earth. That potentially. That po- point us to Jesus Christ. But the problem of the analogy of the finger and the moon is that they talk about, spiritual thinkers talk about, we become fixated on the finger. And the finger actually likes us to become fixated on it. Sometimes the finger <laughs> likes us to be looking at it. The finger is supposed to point us to Christ. It is not supposed to be the thing. Yeah. And so when it says, we believe in Jesus Christ and follow his prophet, that is incorrect. A correct statement would be, a prophet should point us exclusively to Jesus Christ and never to his or herself. That would be a correct statement. Yes. And so anything that is directing us or overemphasizing itself in importance, say, for example, the prophet, the temple, or any of these roles and regulations and guidelines, and even like roles that people participate in in life, as if those are used as sort of the end goal, yes. rather than, um, you know, something that can be instrumental in helping us um, sort of gain attributes that bring us closer to God. 
then we're getting it all out of order. And we need to always sort of clear away the rubble and recognize that this is stuff that is not God. It's the finger pointing to God and we cannot get fixated on the finger pointing to God. We got to, we got to go straight to God. If the finger is helpful, then great. And sometimes we just need to remove the finger. Yes. Yeah. So when I read the sentence, it says, it will help you prepare to make sacred covenants in the temple, prepare to serve a mission and find joy in following Jesus Christ throughout your life. That should be shortened to, it will help you prepare to follow Jesus Christ throughout your life. Or just help you to follow Jesus Christ. Yeah. Just, help just you. become more like him. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. how that sentence could more appropriately read. Okay. And then it says, we hope that you will feel that you belong in the Savior's church. Okay, I have a problem with that. Here's why I have a problem with it. We're about to tell the youth all the reasons why they're not good enough. And then we're saying to them, I hope you feel that you can still belong. The We want you to know that you always belong. Yeah. Like unconditional love and belonging is God's experience of us as, as their children. And that ought to be how the church welcomes all of us as well. Yeah. Is and that what I'm kind of hearing you say? Yeah, it is. And, and and so people need to know just what you said. You always belong because you are a beloved child of God. Yeah. And this long list of, of standards and principles that we're about to go through are completely independent of you belonging to the family of God. Yes. And the church has a problem with it <clears throat> a little bit because the church sort of acts like an exclusive club kind of like what you were talking about earlier, mm. um, that if you don't look like us or think like us or feel like us or act like us, then yeah, you belong. But because we're really pseudo community, you really kind of don't. Belong. You need to sort of keep working on looking right or certainly behaving right. right. And actually, if you can do both, that's even better. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the next section, which is called Make Inspired Choices. Do you want to read that, Nate? Yep. Okay. So um, this says, make inspired choices. And for the strength of youth, you will find the teachings of Jesus Christ and his prophets. With these truths as your guide, you can make inspired choices that will bless you now and throughout eternity. Jesus Christ is the way to eternal joy. As you use your freedom to choose to follow Jesus Christ, you are on the path that leads to eternal happiness. Make Jesus Christ your standard, your rock-solid foundation. Build your life on his teachings and measure your choices by them. The covenants you make at baptism, during the sacrament, and in the temple are the building blocks of your firm foundation in Jesus Christ. You'll still face struggles and temptations, but Heavenly Father and the Savior will help you through them all. You are a beloved spirit child of God. His great plan of happiness makes it possible for you to grow spiritually and develop your divine potential. This is why he sent Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Your father in heaven trusts you. He has given you great blessings, including the fullness of the gospel and sacred ordinances and covenants that bind you to him and bring his power into your life. With those blessings comes added responsibility. He knows you can make a difference in the world and that requires, in many cases, being different from the world. Seek your heavenly father's guidance as you make choices. He will bless you with inspiration and with the Holy Ghost. Should we go to that and then should we talk about that and then we can yeah. read some more? Yeah, I think that's actually that articulates most of what I wanted to talk about. Okay, well, let's go back through what we've gone through so far. Okay, so if we jump up to the top of this section, 
for the strength of the youth in this pamphlet, you will find teachings of the savior, Jesus Christ and his prophets. As Nathan and I mentioned before, we could just edit out and his prophets. We don't want to be, yeah. So just Jesus Christ would be good enough. And the reason why for me, this matters is because if you go to the next sentence, it says with these truths as your guide. Now, if you, if you ever link prophets with truths, you're setting up um, a problem with this whole uh, fraught issue of the inerrancy or infallibility of prophets. So you never want to set anybody up to believe that God's truths and prophets truths are the same because God's truths are always reliable and the prophets truths are not always going to be reliable because they're humans. All right, let's move on to the second paragraph. Opens well. Okay. Jesus Christ is the way to joy. He gives us the freedom to choose. Um, Jesus should be our standard. He should be our foundation. His teachings should be the measurements that we use to look at our lives. Now, we've already talked about measuring our lives, and I don't love that terminology. Yes. But I'm going to give credit where credit is due. That's a great opening statement about the importance Jesus Christ should carry in our lives. I'm, I'm a little... I'm a little concerned uh, with, we talk about trying to move away from the checklist gospel. I hear that even in the larger, Mm -hmm. you know, orthodoxy too. But when we talk about covenants, you make at baptism during the sacrament in the temple. To me, that starts to sort of like move us back to the, to more of the same problem, right? Yep. So the paragraph degrades a little bit, in my opinion. So let me ask you this, Nathan, what do you make of, well, on the one hand, I don't like the prescription of it all. I don't like them telling us exactly all of the things we need to do. Right. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I do think, say, for example, taking the sacrament is important. Yes. So how do you like navigate the tension between you have to do this to receive God's love with the other um, equally important, I think, idea of like, these are these are beautiful covenants that we're making with, with Jesus Christ. And we want to renew them. So can, can, I, can you walk me through what your thoughts are on that? Yeah. Well, first of all, Jesus instituted the sacrament. So we're getting that directly from him. Okay. okay. That, that is something that he himself instituted. And remember Jesus himself called the sacrament a finger. Like we talked about earlier, but right? It's, it's a, it's pointing us to something it else. It is pointing us to something else. It is pointing us to his sacrifice in his renewal. Mm-hmm. So Jesus Christ himself said, I am giving you a finger. I'm giving you a pointer. That sounded kind of funny, by the way. It did sound funny. <laughs> Jesus never gave us the finger, no. you guys. He is giving us a pointer. <laughs> the sacrament is a symbolic pointer towards his sacrifice on our behalf. Okay. And for me, that's a very personal thing. So when I take the sacrament, it is an opportunity for me to reflect on my relationship with Jesus Christ. How do I feel about him? Do I feel close to him? Do I feel like... Uh, I am changing to become like him. But I think it's also fair to say, Nathan, that even those who have distanced themselves from the church because of trauma or whatever are equally beloved, even if they don't do any of those oh, things. No, absolutely. Is that fair to say? No, I mean, I, and I know it is. But... It's totally fair to say, because yes. remember, again, it's a pointer. Okay. There's lots of pointers. Yes. Okay. So the sacrament is a pointer. It's a pointer that Jesus happened to have given us. Um, himself personally, but it is a pointer. And, and we could actually have a really long discussion on this because I think the church has uh, commandeered the sacrament and made it into a weapon. 
where, yeah. where they hold it over our head as a threat. Well, and, and, and that's a whole nother discussion. Those who need it most are told they can't, can't take have it. it. And yeah. yeah. And those who are excommunicated or, you know, that the church is like, you don't get this. Ha ha ha. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> and so I agree that this is only a pointer. Okay. Well, and if it's useful for you, yeah, then participate in that because it in fact is something that resonates with your own relationship with God. Yeah. I think, I think these are all, that's the way to translate um, anything that is a to-do item with true spirituality is if it works for you and if it fills you up and lights you up and actually brings you closer to God, then, then that is for you. Yep. That's otherwise it's the worship of dead things and that's idolatry. Yep. So the next paragraph is one that I really like. And going back to our previous two pod, two podcasts ago, we talked about the importance of I statements and identity statements, true identity statements. You are a beloved spirit child of God. Great identity statement. Um, his great plan of happiness makes it possible for you to grow spiritually. I like that. I, I think we are here to grow spiritually. And, and I think that's a better statement than to say we're here to avoid sin. Okay. Or to work even. Or to work, right? Mm -hmm. or, to, yeah. or to grow spiritually and develop our divine potential. Yeah, it's and nice. Beautiful. Um, and, and this is why Jesus Christ came here to be our savior. I, I love that. That, that is a wonderful start of somebody's personal identity statement. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything negative to say about that entire paragraph. It's yeah. really beautiful it's about our relationship with God and how lovable we are. So can't argue with that. Okay. So if we go down to the next paragraph, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just read, um, some sections of it because I do have some thoughts on this. Um, your heavenly father trusts you. He has given you great blessings, including the fullness of the gospel and sacred ordinances and covenants that bind you to him and bring his power into your life. Now, I, I'm that, that's sort of through the back door, bringing us back to the spiritual exceptionalism, yeah. which is you're special. You have gifts and blessings that other people don't have that bind you to him. And I just simply can't buy that. I think it's part of my own growth process where I see beauty and dignity and lovability equally through Everywhere. all religions and no religion whatsoever that yeah. people are beautiful beloved children of heavenly parents whether they even know it or not they already are and there's nothing more special <laughs> about us because of our brand of faith and I'm not saying that there aren't beautiful things that can be gained and have been gained by what we bring to the larger faith picture, but that doesn't make us better than anybody else. And so these kinds of statements, I think, once again, implicitly embed in us um, a, a superiority complex and a feeling that we have something that other people you know, can't enjoy or don't enjoy. And that translates into God choosing us and loving us more. Okay. Um, the next part that I have, a, I, I want to spend a couple seconds talking about is this part where he says he knows you can make a difference in the world. And that requires in many cases being different from the world. Do you have anything you want to say there? Cause I do go for it. Okay. <laughs> so I, I don't like languaging that talks about in hand quotes, the world mm. that is very problematic to me because once again, it sets up a dynamic of us against them. Yes. It also is another marker of a spiritually abusive system, which is we have to, um, we, what, what is being communicated in, in rhetoric like this is we need to protect you from those guys out there because they're bad and mm -hmm. they're dangerous and they're scary. And you need to rely on us to protect you from them. 
And so it creates a, a dynamic that is, is sort of fear-based. And it also creates a dynamic that distances us from our beautiful brothers and sisters out there in the world that have a lot to teach us. Anything you want to add to that? No, Dave? I think that's really good. I think that it also is a very judgmental statement Absolutely. of oh, we're righteous and you're wicked. It's not that we're just afraid of you, but it's we're better than you. And, and I think that there's a lot of beauty out there. I, I remember, and, and I think I may have mentioned this before, but there's a there's a little short story in the Book of Mormon about Limhi when he left, when he, 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 he gathered an army of Nephites to go back to the land of Nephi and to kill all the Lamanites so they could mm. reclaim the land that they used to live in. They'd been driven out of years before. And Lamhi makes this very short statement. He says, when we got to the land of Nephi and we saw the good that was among the Lamanites, we decided, I decided not to destroy them, but our leader still wanted to destroy them. And so we had a civil war yeah. and went back to our homes because everybody was dead. Mm. And I think for me, that was an eye-opening story that they had been taught by their leaders, they had been taught by their church, that the Lamanites were wicked. They were the world. And the best thing they could do was go kill them all and send them back to their maker and take that land back. And they got there and they're like, these guys aren't that bad. They're pretty cool. I mean, you know, they may be a little different than us, yeah. but you know, they were really not bad people. And they're like, we're not going to kill them. And so then they had this civil war with themselves because they were so deceived by their leaders and by their church that when they actually saw reality, it was like, wait, reality is not matching up with what we were taught. These are these are actually pretty good people. It it takes me, Nathan, to the thought about how we are prone to make up narratives about that which we do not know. Mm -hmm. When we don't know another person, another church, another country, we make up a narrative that that turns us into something, you know, good and turns them into something um, bad, but the bad really comes more because they're unknown. I know. And so again, this, this document perpetuates that kind of a problem. It's the, we are the in crowd and they are the out crowd. And the only way they'll ever come to understand us is if they become like us or become one of us. Mm -hmm. And we have to explicitly push back against languaging like that um, especially in documents of this nature, because once again, this is a document This for the strength of the youth is sort of, um, it's our value statement. Right. And what we need to, I think, I, I'd like to think of us as learning how more to value um, a world community, mm -hmm. not be as tribal in nature. Mm -hmm. We can take care of each other. I yeah. think that's fine. And we can, we can love the, the good that our tribe brings to the larger picture, but not set up a dynamic of me against you. Yeah, very good. Now it ends with, seek your heavenly father's guidance as you make choices and he will bless you with inspiration. Now, that's a great ending um, because I do like the idea of yeah. personal inspiration. I don't have a problem with that at all. I put a big plus in my notes there because <laughs> once, once again, when we are being directed directly to our savior, Jesus Christ, and when we are being invited to cultivate uh, a relationship with God through our own growing um, Liahona powers, Mm -hmm. right? The power to discern right from wrong and, and, and become closer to God through our own experiences. There's, there's nothing bad about that. That's wonderful. Yep. Okay. Now I'm going to read a couple more paragraphs that we haven't read, okay. um, but I think these are important. It says the purpose of the strength of the youth is not to give you yes or no answers about every possible choice you might face. That's a good statement. Now they don't necessarily follow through with that perfectly, but it's a good principle. 
not trying to do yes or no answers about everything. That's very good. Right. That's a good step in the right direction after the sixties, right? Step in the right direction. People can even do contortions now. Yes. And the limbo. Uh, Instead, the Lord is inviting you to live by a high and holy standard, his way. This guide will teach you about his way. It explains truths that he has revealed and makes, make these truths part of your big choice process. Okay. And I agree with that. Okay. And here are some of the choices. And I like how they frame this because I think this is right. Some potential choices that you may make are making covenants in the temple, serving a mission, and daily choices, such as how you'll treat people or spend your time. Now, I like the way they present here temple and mission because there's, options. it's a choice, right? right? It's an option. And it's a choice that they've set up. They said, we're not going to tell you yes or no. We want you to consider this choice and then you get the inspiration from Heavenly Father. That's what they said in the previous paragraph, okay? I And I've said many times, and I want to get everybody to get wrong on this. I don't have a problem with the temple. I like the temple. I, I, I've had many spiritual experiences. And we loved our missions too. And we had wonderful <laughs> experiences on our missions. I'm not trying to discourage people from going to the temple or the mission. I'm just saying it is one of many choices that you will make with the inspiration that God gives you. Well, and it's it's all about agency and it's all about becoming the authors of our own personal destinies and relationship with god right and so i like how it was presented there yeah um and then it says while others can help you your spiritual growth is personal amen it is between you and the lord amen it's very good very very good (laughs) he knows your heart and only he can ultimately be your judge now it's pretty good but I do not like thinking of God as our judge. Yeah, I was going to say, why did they have to end it that way? No. We could have just had, they know your heart. They know your and heart. And they love you. <laughs> they just love circle you. it right back to yeah. the foundation of, of what God is and, and God is love. Why did we have to bring the courtroom back into yeah. it? Because that ruins everybody's image of God. Right. Okay. Now, I think you wanted to end with one of the scriptures that they suggest in the reading. And while we haven't read all of the scriptures, I think this one is important and worth pointing out. Okay, so the scriptures, at the end of each of these sections, they do give um, several scriptures, like suggested scriptures, I guess, is what they're kind of getting at. And as I was studying this myself, uh, I I thought a lot of them were actually very helpful. And I, you know, I felt, if nothing else, neutral about them. (laughs) You know, some of them I like, some of them like, okay, that's fine. And this one, however, I did want to point out just because in general, once again, it sort of like moves us back to what I would like to call the miracle of forgiveness kind of mentality. And it's Mosiah chapter four, verses 29 and 30. And in my mind, it's a little bit of a, it's, it's unfortunate that we ended this section this way. And I, I say that because, well, let me just read the scripture and then we can talk about this. It says this. And finally, I cannot tell you all of the things whereby ye may commit sin for there are diverse ways and means, even so many that I cannot number them. Spencer W. Kimball tried. <laughs> he did 60 pages worth. <laughs> and this much I can tell you that if you do not watch yourselves and your thoughts and your words and your deeds and observe the commandments of God and continue in the faith of which ye have heard concerning the coming of our Lord, even unto the end of your lives, ye must perish. And now, O oh man, remember and perish not. Okay, now I'm not going to say that maybe um, there are times and seasons when this scripture might be... Um, for some reason appropriate to say to somebody, <laughs> I just don't feel like it's appropriate here. Our youth are tender. Our youth are vulnerable. Our youth are trying to navigate really, really hard things because they're overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed. Youth, adolescence is hard. 
I work a lot as a therapist um, and have a lot of clinical experience working with 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 adolescents and trying to navigate adolescence in a in a largely growing secular world, trying to be in connection with themselves, congruent with their own relationship with God in a in a relatively you know in a conservative Christian religion, is a tough ask. And we want to keep our kids congruent with themselves and we don't want to scare them. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to make them be fearful mm-hmm. of all of the many, many reasons that they probably are going to screw up and go to hell this morning before they get out of bed. <laughs> right? Um, right. There is a big problem in the church with something called religious scrupulosity. So the idea with religious scrupulosity is that it's, um, it's a way that we manage anxiety And when we're in a religious system and a conservative religious Christian system, especially, sometimes we end up pointing that anxiety and landing it on uh, behaviors that are around our Christian lifestyle. Mm. And so people that struggle with religious scrupulosity end up having a lot of anxiety around sin, around doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, making God mad, thinking the wrong thinking the wrong thing. I could go on and on about that. This idea that we have to watch and regulate our thoughts yeah. is highly, highly problematic yes. because thoughts are neutral things. And I could go on a whole other rabbit trail on, on that whole topic. But the idea here, in essence, is that we want to ch- help our children and our adolescents feel low anxiety around their relationship with God. We want them to feel deeply and profoundly loved. We even want to go so far, in my opinion... We want to go so far as to help them recognize that even as they stumble and make the inevitable mistakes that they will make in their adolescence, that the atonement was activated before they were even born. Yes. They've already been forgiven and all that we hope will happen through their, through their struggles and, and their, their stumbles is that they will come closer to their savior, Jesus Christ, by learning to love themselves through the eyes of their savior. I think that's amazing, Valerie, and I think that that's a really important point. When you tell the youth that there are just infinite possibilities of the ways that they can screw up and that the result is is death and punishment and perishing, uh, you're setting them up to fail. And I love the Givens imagery of heavenly parents that are not judges. I don't mm. like the courtroom. Uh, they're not judges. Christ has already paid for our sins. There's nothing left to judge. Right. They are shepherding us. Yeah. They are loving, caring shepherds who are walking with us along the way, not waiting at the end to judge us, but they are with us all along the way, picking us up when we make mistakes, loving us, guiding us, and that there is not a courtroom at the end of all of this. Well, and if we help them recognize that their lovability is really the beginning and the end of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we invite them to stay in the, in, you know, in the arms Mm-hmm. of their family and in the arms even of an institution if it could help them feel lovable mm-hmm. and and beloved. The problem that I have with something like this is that when a child feels high anxiety and connects it with home, family, church and God, guess what they end up doing? They end up leaving yeah. home, family, church and God. They try to escape it because it doesn't feel good. And so if we link those ideas to the paradigms that I just described, they're going to find their way out the door because they don't like how it feels. And they're using good judgment because nobody likes how that feels. So we really <laughs> need to do a good, a better job of helping them feel that when you're here with us in our home, in our family, in our church, 
worshiping um, God, it's just all about love. It's about mm-hmm. your infinite lovability right. that you have nothing to prove. And there's no reason to believe that God himself or mother than herself would be any different. No. Right. It's very difficult to tell a child that they should love God and see God as a loving parent, but that he's also your final judge and that eternal damnation could be one of your outcomes. It's, it's you can't confusing. love somebody like that. Right. Right. So we've got to teach them that the atonement has already cleared the way. They are already whole. They're already there. That what we're doing in this life is trying to learn how to love the way that God loves and that he is on our team and she is on our team. Yes. And they are not the judges at the end of all of this. They are the loving shepherding parents through it. Right. You can love somebody like that. You can't love the judge that's sitting there trying to determine if you're going to go to jail for the rest of eternity. That's not a lovable person. Amen. Yeah. Okay. We're going to pause here, uh, mainly because we're both just kind of tired. <laughs> We've been talking for a little while. All right. You guys, as per usual, we love being with each of you. We really love getting to know so many of you in our small support groups. They're growing fast. And I have shifted a lot of my private practice over from individual work to running these small groups. And quite frankly, it's partly because it's just so, so much fun. I really, really love connecting with you. And I love watching you connect with one another Many times I've um, firsthand heard people say, I didn't know there were so many wonderful people that are going through exactly what I'm going through. There's just so much love to share and to spread amongst those of us who are working on our spiritual and psychological growth journey. And it's, it's something, it's a team sport, you guys, we don't want to do this alone. So I am thrilled to um, invite you all to please um, jump on and, and join us in one of these small groups. Um, I've got wait lists going, and if you are interested, check those out at info at ValerieHammaker.com, or you can go to Instagram at, um, I always get this wrong. You can go to Instagram at Latter-day Struggles Podcast. Okay, you guys, so good to be with you. Please rate and review this podcast on Apple or Spotify, and we're going to pick up with this next time. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.